0: Today, what we're talking about is the new humanity. And you guys have heard this for the last three weeks. Moving on to week four, I believe, we are talking about this simple premise that as God interacts with humanity, something new is made. As God interacts with humanity, something new is made. And today, we are talking about the idea that the new humanity is filled with a group of worshipers. And I'm wondering, did you grow up singing songs? I mean, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up singing songs. And, um, and songs are awesome. I, I, I grew up in a singing family. But when you grow up singing songs, and when, when, at least when I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we had some amazing worship experiences. Um, I've told you this before. We were at, we grew up at La Sierra University Church. Donald Vaughn kind of built the organ, and he would play that thing, and it was amazing. It was huge. It was phenomenal. But as I was growing up, we always had this word that we used for kind of the singing part um, as I was growing up, and we called it song service. Are you familiar with that term? It was song service. And song service was always kind of, it was kind of dealt with as this necessary evil before you get to the next piece, right? So it's like, we're going to sing, and everyone would go, oh. Right, And that was before we'd say, stand up. Because you know, there was a lot of years there where we'd go, let's stand up to sing. And everyone would go, are you kidding? Now you guys are awesome. We're like, let's sing. And you guys, right, stand up. And it was like, it's OK. But the song service was this moment that was like uh, suffering, singing songs that you've sung again and again, songs that you often sang at camp that somehow made it off the hill. And then you sing in your churches you know, I've got a home in glory, land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> This train is bound for glory. This. And there's nothing wrong with those songs. Just for the record, like I'm a fan. I like those songs. But um, but but a lot a lot. And it was like perfunctory, right? You had to do it. You had to get over it. There's one guy who could who could maybe play some chords on a guitar, and so you'd sing it every once in a while. That guy wouldn't show up, and so you you know you knew you had to do it. So there's somebody who's just gonna we're gonna fight through this. We're gonna sing these songs because we love Jesus. And we're going to do it. Now, that's certainly not all the, all the case, but I remember those experiences. And, um, and I remember the first, time, the first time I saw someone kind of lead worship and experience that way. His name was Coach Wong, um, came to La Sierra, Univers- La Sierra Academy, and he had this ovation guitar that I thought was super cool. And he's a big Hawaiian guy, and he stands up, and he's like, we're going to worship. And the whole room goes, ugh. And he goes, no, no, no. We're not going to sing. We're going to worship. And we were like, what, is, what does that mean? And so he started singing songs. And it was the old kind of early worship, the Vineyard tunes. You know, the early, when Hillsong was still like a little church in Sydney before they took over the planet... Um, which they, they have. They're, you know. God has seen that ministry grow. Um, but we sang, you know, shout to the Lord, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Which is a weird kind of tempo song. When you play it on guitar, you're like, is it too fast? Is it too slow? He knew how to do it. And I remember hearing this and it was like, this is new. This is different. He was really kind of present in the moment. See, up until then, my worship experience had been much what Isaiah says in chapter 29 verse 13. He says this, and the Lord says, these people say they're mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote." Does that express some of the worship experiences you had? Kind of that church moving along, it's the same way every single time. Now, now you can hear this sermon today and you can say, oh, he's talking about this kind of music or this kind of format. I'm not. I'm talking about when we have made worship into something different than it's supposed to be. Because it's easy to go, well, I like those songs. I like Shout to the Lord. I still listen to it. Good for you. It's time to update your cassette player in your car. You can find it on an MP3. It's okay. Um, that song was written like 30 years ago. Um, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Yeah. Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. 1976. That was five years old. I was five years old. A great song. No problem with it. But when... when when worship becomes something different than seeking the presence of God, when it becomes these things that we do by rote, then it ceases to be it. So let's ask the question, what is worship? We'll start there. What is worship? Let's be clear. We always worship. We always worship. There's something about human beings that, that worship, worship happens. And if it's not about God, it's about something or someone else. I've seen parents worship their children I've seen, I've, seen, um, I've seen many, many people worship their sports teams, all right? And you're like, not me. Yes, you do. It gets a little weird sometimes. Um, and it's, it's okay, like it's okay, but there's something intrinsically within us that we're kind of built to worship. We have this incredible desire to revere something and to hold it up to the light, if you will. And if it's not God, it has a tendency to get a little bit strange, a little bit weird, and a little bit lopsided, but, but the premise of this series is simply that when God interacts, something new is made. So what happens when God inter- interacts with our worship? When, when we're really present in worship, and again, this is not about genre or style. This is about attitude, spirit, and truth, if you will, which we'll get to. But what happens, one of the things that happens for me when worship is real, and I'll tell you the first time this really happened, like when I was present. We, we, my dad was asking me if I was gonna go into ministry, and I was like, nah, I don't think so. And he said, well, let's go out to Willow Creek. They're doing this leadership summit. Let's check it out. So we go out to Willow Creek, and if you've never been there, it's, we used to call it Willow World because it is the biggest church online. It's just enormous. We walked into this big auditorium, 5,000 people, and they had this spotlight down on a piano. That was it. And so we come in and this guy kind of, you know, walks out Hi. goes and sits at the piano, all the lights dim, and he starts playing. He's amazing. Excellence, I mean, phenomenal. And he leads us for about a half hour in worship. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of it, I get goosebumps. I mean, I get goosebumps. And I get goosebumps every once in a while when I hear really great music. But this one was different. This was like sustainable. Goosebumps are like, oh, Goosebumps or chicken skin, some of you call it that, which is not the right name, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) But this, like, they stayed. And I realized, well, something's going on here. Something's happening. And I believe it's the movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not what happens every time we get goosebumps, but I believe it was part of it. Some of us, when we hear worship and we really engage and we're really present, man, we cry. Tears show up. And that's so awesome. Awesome because that's a physiological response to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's us recognizing, like, I can't, I can't handle what God is doing right now. I've got I've to gotta move. I've got to, like, and you know, your body handles it weird, like it leaks. <laughs> it just goes, okay, okay that's our, res- it's a weird physiological response. That's what we do. Tears, man. I can remember... One of my worship experiences, and I've mentioned it before, we were at the One Project in Atlanta, 2011, first time we had gotten together. And uh, doors closed, we begin. Chris Pico, Nick Zork, if you know who they are, really phenomenal worship leaders, two guitars. They start to sing "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus," which is a beautiful song. But they're just playing it, nothing fancy, nothing, no lights, no nothing, just these two guys standing up there singing "'Tis So Sweet." And and I just, I lose it. I begin to weep. And this was more than like tears coming down. I'm weeping. And, and you know, when that happens, it doesn't come from somewhere. It just, it just kind of effervesces out of you. And I'm weeping. And I'm a guy, so I'm standing in the back. And I'm like, oh, nobody sees me. And then I look up and I realize every single person in the room is having the same experience. The Holy Spirit kind of dropped like an anvil in that place, you know? And it was... Yeah, it was surreal. And listen, I know some of you are like, nah, well, you know, maybe they just did a really good job. And they did. They did an excellent job because excellence is a huge part of it. Because um, we have to get out of the way of God working and that means we have to be really good and really competent in what we do. But it was a moment. And it was a moment for 173 people in the room. Like, we all looked around like, are you seeing this? Because this is not normal. Wow. And then there's movement. That happens sometimes when we really experience worshiping God. David speaks of it in the Psalms. But the perfect example to me, the perfect example to me is, you know, and I was was reminded after the first service, I said a nine-month-old, apparently nine-month-old, don't do this, my kids are older, so I forget. Maybe like a 15-month-old running around their diaper and the music's playing. And you hear them and they're like, they're just going. And then all of a sudden they're like, And they don't know what to do. Like, there's no steps that they've learned, but they're just like. And they know, like, I'm supposed to be moving. I'm supposed to, like, there's something that's supposed to be happening because of what's going on here. And we sometimes experience that in worship too. And I know, listen, Seventh Day Adventists, we are a rigid group of people. Like, let's just, we're like, you know. and so, so, you know, it. And I get, it. I, you got to fight that, right? You got to fight because your DNA is like, don't move. And you're like, I want to. And it's like, don't do it. Because you know what That is? Moving leads to dancing. And dancing leads to coffee. So you got to be careful. <laughs> got to be careful about what's going on. I don't know what coffee leads to. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, sometimes movement is a part of it. And you'll see some people here who are moving. And some of you are like, nope, that's not me. That's cool, man. That doesn't, they, we don't all experience this the same way. It's okay. But what all of worship is, is a catalyst. It is a catalyst in our lives. Worship can be a catalyst for spiritual growth, for understanding, and for openness to what God is going to say to you and do through you. And it's not bad. You see, some people have a tendency to think that if your worship is too emotional, then it's not reasonable. I'd like to go back to a simple premise that believing in God is not reasonable. It's faith. And so, yeah, sometimes we are unreasonable people. Now, is, is, is overwhelming emotionalism where you never, like, land the plane ever and there's no theology involved, is that a problem? Yeah, you can eat too many Oreos, yeah. Right? So don't eat balance. Be balanced. This is one of the reasons why it says spirit and truth, right? But, but to be moved by something, to be moved inside of you, to be moved in your heart and your guts and your soul and your mind, yeah. That's not bad. I mean, if emotions were bad, God probably wouldn't have created them. It wasn't like Adam and Eve were these robots who when they sinned all of a sudden went, "Well, now I feel. They felt love, they felt joy before that. So why wouldn't that be something that's deeply incorporated within our worship as a catalyst to us expressing who God is to the world? Because your worship, your worship is actually your revelation of God to the world sometimes. The way that people see you worship, see you interact with the Holy Spirit, see you move with God, that is a revelation of who God is in the world. We think it's just for us, but it's not always just for us. We think we sing alone but we don't. So what is the why of our worship? And the why of our worship is simple and I want you to hear this. I love Hebrews 12 28. It says this, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us rise and be thankful and please God by worshiping him with fear and awe. Right? Since we've received this, 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 this unshakable kingdom. And I know that there's this talk in the Adventist church about the shaking, right? The shaking's going to happen. It's going to shake people off. Well, good luck because the unshakable kingdom of God is not going anywhere. Right? And it's not trying to get people out. It's the foundation on which we live. The kingdom of God is unshakable when we receive it. And, and our God, it says our God is a consuming Fire. A devouring fire, the Greek word, is actually to drink down, to swallow, to consume. Now, here's an interesting thing. Somebody came up to me after first service and said, man, I find that sometimes I do. I just just consume worship. I don't engage in it. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Because if all you do sometimes is come and consume worship, that's okay, because eventually that consumption of that fire, of that worship, of that experience, eventually it will burn you up. It will devour you. And that's a good thing because we lose ourselves in the midst of being consumed. I, I, you know, I was with the team in Chattanooga last week. And you have to understand, there's no pastor there. There's nobody who's paid to run that church. It's a group of people who came together wanting to experience worship and get a good word from scripture. And it consumes them. And by consumes them, I mean this. I'm on a text message with like 10 people who don't seem to understand that I live in a different time zone than they do. <laughs> right? And they will watch this, and I actually said this to them too, because they start texting first thing in the morning, which is not quite morning yet for me. And I'll I'll wake up with 70 texts on my phone because they've been talking on a Tuesday morning. They'll be talking about what happened last service, what's going to happen next service, what they're going to do, coordination. It is a consuming fire, these worship services that they put together. They are consumed by what God is doing through them and for them. Our God is a devouring fire. He is a consuming fire. He has given us a kingdom that is unshakable, and that's the why of our worship. The how of our worship? Well, that's been made clear in chapter 4 of the book of John. It's spirit and truth, right? And if you don't know the text, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and she's asking all these questions. You know, she's saying, hey, you know, you, you Jews worship in Jerusalem. We worship on this mountain, which is the right one. And he goes, oh, wrong question. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's now come. It's here now. He's talking about himself. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Basically, what he's saying is a couple things. He's saying, listen, the the process is secondary to the focus, right? You can make it look, sound, feel however you want. your attitude has got to be right and it's got to be revealing the true God so it's got to be deeply embedded in scripture it's got to be those two things style genre that doesn't matter so much excellence intention attitude meaning a revealing of God in a biblical scriptural fashion that's what we need that's what's important And you see, we can get there. We can get there when we recognize that a worship service is not a song service because worship is not relegated to the walls of this church or relegated to the time in which the musicians are on the stage or which I'm preaching. That is a a celebration of the worship that we do in all our lives. The famous text that we've read before, Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the way we truly worship him. We don't start when we show up at church you start when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, and then your whole life becomes worship. Every moment, every day, every breath that you take, every interaction that you have, that is worship. So when you come here, you're prepared to worship because you've been worshiping. If you don't live life that way, this is an alien experience to you. It is different, and you stand there uncomfortably, not just because you're not sure if you can sing, because you're not sure why other people are singing. Because it's a well, kind of a weird thing. We're all standing facing one way singing. But if our lives are, 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 are devoured, are consumed with worship, then when we come here, we get to do it together and we look around and go, hey, this is, I'm not alone. It's not just me in my car anymore. You guys are here too. Let's sing. Let's, let's praise God. Let's worship Him. Let's reveal who He is to the masses, to the nations. Let's do that together because I am used to this language. It's the language that I speak. It's the language of my heart. It felt right the first time I heard it. It feels right the thousandth time that I've heard it. Because we also understand the faith of our worship. The faith of our worship is simple. And I love how Psalm 100 says it. One of the best praise and worship songs ever. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He has made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. This is why we worship, and David didn't stop there. He just kept going because that's the truth of our worship, that God is to be revealed to all through all the nations. All people to him are brought as we lift him up. We sometimes think that we're the only ones singing. We aren't. It's the nations. It's the angels that sing as well. Psalm 86.9 says it this way, all the nations you made will come before you and bow before you, Lord, and they will praise your holy name for you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. And you're like, yeah, yeah, Tim. That's low-hanging fruit. It's the Psalms. Let's go to Nehemiah. (laughs) And yes, that's in the Bible. You've never read it, but it's there. Nehemiah says this. Then the leaders of the Levites, Yeshua, Tadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethiah called out to the people stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Then they prayed, may your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above blessing and honor. You alone are God. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. As God interacts with our worship, it becomes something brand new every time, every time. I played in a band for way too long. And, um, and we wrote a bunch of songs. We wrote two good ones. Um, (laughs) I'm not kidding. There's two, there's two. And we, we played those songs over and over again, over and over and over again. And, um, thousands of times for tens of thousands of people over the 10 years. And there's one song, we called it The Way. And, um, by, by the end of 10 years, we couldn't, we couldn't stand it. We had sung it too much. It was one of those songs that you won't practice anymore. You start practicing, and we go, yeah, 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 we know it, we know it. It was, it was probably the one song of all, you know, all the hymnody that we wrote. The one song that I could look at my bass player, Sam Lenore. You know him, you love him. It's the one, the one song I could look and be like, what are the words? And he would know them, because he didn't pay attention to any of the other words of any of the other songs. And... And we were just worn out from it. We were tired of it. But it was interesting because when we would play it corporately, when we would play it in a room full of people, that song somehow became new. That song somehow became fresh. It began to reveal who God was in ways that we had forgotten about when we wrote it 10 years before. To see someone else singing that song revealed God to me in the lyrics that I wrote. To see someone who I've never seen before jumping up and down as we were playing this song made me realize those words, they're life, because they reveal who God is. Again, maybe not the best song, certainly not the best song ever written, but it spoke to somebody at some time. And even though I had sung the song a thousand times before, it was made new to me every time I sang it in front of other people. Scripture says that His mercies are made new every single day doesn't matter what song you're singing. What matters is your intention, the spirit and the truth in which you give that and reveal God through those songs. If you love hymns, praise God. If you love worship music, praise God. If you like bluegrass, amen. Probably won't hear it here. But honestly, it doesn't matter. What matters is what, the way that you open up your life to God through worship every day and then the way that you get to worship together as we come together and, and celebrate what God has done with one another. That is what it means to worship. It is the native language of our very DNA, the way God made us to revere Him, If you're not worshiping Him, look around at your life and see what it is that you're worshiping and see if it's worth your worship. Because the only one I've met, the only one I know of who is worth all my worship, all my life is Jesus Christ. Because of what He has done for us. Because of the way He died for us and the way that He lives for us. For the way that He watches over us and the way that He brings us together as we lift Him up. This is what we're brought together for. This is what we were made for and created for, to worship Him. And to worship Him together, those voices become a powerful voice. And so as we end today, we're going to sing one song together. You know it. You've sung it a thousand or a hundred thousand times, but may it be new to you. Praise God from whom all blessings for praise Stand and worship with us one more time.